channel krt and to the second episode of we scream today we're taking a look at king cole's party the second we sing tape ever released released in 1987 i'm kit quinn and i plan on guillotining king cole i'm randy martin and let's just say this guys the bar for we sing is so fucking low that we have been saying that this one's not that bad <laughs> it's an SCP. <laughs> Just for the record, the bar is below the Earth's core. That's what we're dealing with with this fucking series. You thought the bar was low when it came to dating men? Wait till you get into Weezing. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm Tyler Green, and when this episode comes out, it'll be my birthday. Happy birthday, me. Happy Yay! birthday, Tyler. Here's some Weezing. Happy birthday, Tyler. Yay! Oh, uh, guys, just for the record, so, uh, last night, Melody Mouse and Humbear broke into my house and kidnapped me. Oh, oh, um... Oh, God! holding up, buddy? I don't want to go too much into it. I mean, somehow they bypassed the armed guards entirely. Uh, some of them were actually slain pretty gruesomely, I think. Uh, I actually had to clean some of that up this morning. They took me to the nearby park, and they, they handcuffed me to a chair, tied me down... And they just gave me all these really fucked up presents and shit, and <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Oh, God. My condolences, man. We'll we'll try to send you a rope. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, I just got a phone call from uh, Humbear and Melody Mouse. They sang the address song, but it was my address. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Today, we're talking about the second tape in the series, King Cole's Party. It was directed by Susan Shadburn and written by Pamela Bill and Susan Hagen-Nip again. And I gotta say, um, this one was very, very watchable. Like we said, the bar is very low. This was easily one of the better ones. I was actually having a decent amount of fun watching this, I'm not even gonna lie. Like, I riffed the living hell out of this movie, and there is a lot to make fun of, but I was genuinely amazed that I wasn't in utter pain like I was with We Sing together. I mean, there are painful aspects to this video that we'll get to later, but it's kind of at a minimum in this, I think, thank God. Surprisingly, it's only five minutes shorter than We Sing together, but it doesn't feel nearly as long. Surprisingly, the crooked man is not the scariest thing in this. Yeah, but funny enough, this installment actually has the most song because it clocks in at exactly 27 songs. And to its credit, a lot of the songs do tie into the plot pretty well as compared to the last one where we were just talking about, hey, let's sing a song that's vaguely familiar to this situation but has nothing to do with anything. Yay! Like, at least they're, like, incorporating the songs into the plot. And not just saying, oh, this one's in public domain, let's just use this one. To be fair, pretty much all of these songs are still in public domain, but at least they put them in the story. Exactly, and at least the ones that are pretty long in this one are songs that were already kind of long, instead of like, okay, we're gonna sing the bingo song, but we're gonna add your pet, and your pet, and your pet. And at least, like, the terrifying costumes... There's only one this time, thank God. The rest of this is very easy on the eyes, which is probably why 
it feels like this is one of the better ones. Fun fact, this was the only one that was actually filmed. Yeah, that's right. Because this is at a lower frame rate than the usual We Sing videos that are usually videotaped. Because someone is uploading them to YouTube at 60 frames per second. But this one isn't at 60 frames per second at, until, like, the very end credits. It looks like they used, like, legit 35 millimeter for this one. Though there was a lot of the times where I thought, whoops, I ended up in the don't come around here no more video. <laughs> I will say this, it doesn't look like they took very good care of the film. <laughs> like, there's there's a lot of, like, random cuts that are kind of jarring. There's a lot of big, huge splotches on certain frames. It just feels like they didn't really take care of it when they were, like, making new tapes for it. Like, they just shoved it somewhere, took it out, ran it through a tape, and then put it back. <laughs> one other thing in particular that makes this one stick out, I was surprised at some of the cast in this. Like... It's not a huge, huge cast for what it is, but I found out, speaking of the Crooked Man, he's played by, of all fucking people, Dal McKinnon. Yeah, the farmer from uh, The Cat from Outer Space. Yeah, and Lady and the Tramp, and Bedknobs and Broomsticks. And he did a lot of Hanna-Barbera stuff, and he voiced Gumby at one point, too. Yeah, and then he also did a voice work for a lot of Disney cartoons, and the Sabrina the Teenage Witch cartoon way back in the 70s, and just, holy crap. They got him for this weird-ass movie. Hey guys, Tyler here with a quick correction. Um, while we were talking about Dale McKinnon and his roles with Disney and Hanna-Barbera, there was one very important role of his that we forgot to mention. So for those of you who have ridden Big Thunder Mountain in any of the Disney theme parks, you might recognize this specific bit of audio. Howdy, partners! For your safety, remain seated with your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the train, and be sure to watch your kids. If any of you folks are wearing hats or glasses, best remove them, because this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. Yep, that's him all right. Dale McKinnon was not only the crooked man, he was also the iconic voice of the safety spiel from Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. <laughs> Just how wild is that? pun sort of intended and now back to the podcast also king cole in this is played by a guy named gary basey which is one letter off from gary Busey. <laughs> can you imagine old king cole as played by gary Busey? in a oh, perfect God. world but, oh well also the jester is played by a guy named david b gome so i'm just gonna call him david the gnome <laughs> jester so it looks like gary basey was only in like five things and that's it <laughs> so one thing that i found out also is that there's this movie called spy that not only gary bay season but also twig webster aka the fucking rabbit from we sing together so oh my god that is such a strange coincidence right there they're not even like main characters they're just like bit parts because uh Gary Basie is credited as Birdly Artist, and Twig Webster is credited as the gallery owner. I'm on the IMDb page for Spy, and I gotta say, um, as far as the cast goes, I don't know who any of these people are, so... <laughs> Although Gary Basie was also in a movie called Frozen Assets, which Dal McKinnon also had a spot in. Huh. That's the weirdest instance of No Escape I've ever seen. <laughs> 
So this whole thing starts off with, should I even just spoil the plot twist? Because it's a pretty badly hidden plot twist. Yeah, let's. Let's just do it now. Spoiler alert, the father's reading to his kids because he's King Cole. And it's about as well hidden as Jason Lee's voice in Incredibles in the shadows, so. You can literally tell it's the same voice as the king. And you can literally see the silhouette of his beard and his hair. So they do this piss poor job and you can already tell that this is going to be the plot device because the same kids that he's reading the story to are the kids that self-insert themselves as jack jill little boy blue uh, according to wikipedia i'll go over the plot real quick jack jill mary and little boy blue journey toward king cole's palace to join him and his other subjects in celebrating a hundred years of peace in the kingdom bringing various gifts a kitten a pair of mittens and a fuzzy blanket, amongst other things. The main message is that the best gifts come from the heart, but it also teaches the importance of helping others and using good manners. Which I gotta say, King Cole's party is not that impressive, and King Cole is a fucking bastard. <laughs> King Cole is terrible at practicing what he preaches. I'm just gonna say that now. Also, the plot of this literally ripped off the Wizard of Oz. Oh my god, you're kinda right, because the kid falls asleep, and they- Well, the kids actually don't show up again for like 10 minutes, because they have to go to the fucking castle. Yeah, so the movie starts off with everybody in the castle getting ready for the party, and it's basically- this actually kind of cool medley of a bunch of songs like you have old king cole pat a cake sing a song of sixpence one thing i really like in particular about this movie especially the opening the sets in this are surprisingly really good they have a lot of charm to them they're built really well they have a really nice sense of atmosphere to them also one thing that i like about king cole's party is that it has one thing that the first one didn't effort they actually tried in this one they actually got cast members who want to be there who are actually enjoying this literally they all seem like they have way more enthusiasm in this one there are some very like little kids in this movie who look like they kind of just have no idea what the hell's going on but <laughs> oh jack especially oh my god i was thinking about like this is kind of at the ending scene but like little miss muffet she looks like a three-year-old who has no idea what the fuck is going on. Like, you can clearly <laughs> see, like, all the adults are just kind of, like, putting her in directions, and she's just going along with it. They mute the audio because they're playing her song over it, but you can see the jester's lips moving as in he's trying to, like, coach this girl to sit on the chair or whatever. I will say it's not nearly as creepy as the twins. <laughs> it's really not. It's not. It's almost adorable in a way. Like, oh, look at her. She has no clue what the hell is happening. <laughs> also, one thing I need to mention. So the composer of this movie, his name is Bill Scream. That is the coolest name. Even he knew what he was getting into. <laughs> Bill scream. He predicted our saga. <laughs> Bill, hit us up if you ever want a, you know, a little guest spot or something. <laughs> the whole time we all just scream together. <laughs> <laughs> ah, is that not what this podcast already is? <laughs> also, why was the child holding the pipe? <laughs> After they finish the first song, the queen bends down to this kid who's just holding a pipe for some goddamn reason. Ah, yes, you small child. Bring me my drug paraphernalia. <laughs> That's like asking like a six-year-old to go get your bong for you. So I guess we're going back to Huckleberry Finn 93. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's also a bit where uh, King Cole comes in and he kind of tells the Fiddlers 3 right to their face that they suck. <laughs> because he says he's going to take them in the back to practice so that they could sound better or something like that. He killed them. <laughs> Well, they come back. Also, it was kind of jarring for me. One of the Fiddlers, to me, kind of looked like a young Danny Tamborelli. You're right. Oh my god, you're kind of right. Like, when he was on all that before he did GTA 5. Which, yeah, he was in GTA 5. Look it up. I'm starting to understand why mom became a stripper and you robbed banks. I'm just gonna say it. The jester looks like Tobias from Arrested Development without glasses. <laughs> he even kind of sounds like David Cross. <laughs> I will say this, speaking of Grand Theft Auto V, these tapes could use a little more Trevor Phillips. So now I'm just expecting the jester to talk about how much he wants to join the blue man group. <laughs> <laughs> also, that fucking blackbirds in the pie legit fucking jump scared me. Oh, yeah. Basically, the gist of this whole castle scene is that they're just doing a bunch of vignettes with nerds. Three rhyme songs when they do the sixpence song with the blackbirds. This chef willingly put a whole bunch of birds into a pie while they were still alive, by the way, and he gave it to the king as a prank. What the fuck, dude? Fun fact turns out that was a thing they actually did back then. Really? Yes. What the fuck? Blackbird pie was very much a thing back in, like, those times, like the 15th century medieval times. Blackbirds burning inside a pie. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if they kept up that practice right after they invented chicken nuggets? Just insert, like, a live chicken inside them. Oh, nursery rhymes, when you weren't being so mundane and boring, you were being very fucked up. Fun fact, the Lucy Lockett poem is about a prostitute. So <laughs> here is what happened at those like 15th century medieval dinners. A big wide pie was baked for a royal banquet and over it a large dome of pastry was placed with a collection of live songbirds under the crust. The creation was carried to the table, the outer crust of the pie was opened, and to the delight of the assembled guests, the birds flew out calling as they escaped from their confinement within the outer pastry casing. So yes, they would put live songbirds underneath a pie crust, and then they'd cut the pie open and all the birds would fly out as like a little show. What the hell? Christ. So that is what that song is about, and that is what we sing was straight up referencing. Wow, Sweeney Todd is way scarier than I remember. <laughs> Anyway, we should talk about the less terrifying vignettes. <laughs> so there's two maids in this, Polly and Suki, and they get some pretty cute songs. They do Betty Botter and Patty Cake, but the one that stood out to me was Polly Put the Kettle On, where they keep taking out, like, this teapot that has, like, fog pouring out of it. And my first go-to was, oh, great, now they're going to start huffing the fog. <laughs> They're just gonna spill that boiling tea on the king and he's gonna melt like the Wicked Witch. Surprise, it was liquid nitrogen all along. This party is boring as shit. You gotta huff something to have some fun here. I think everybody in this movie was inebriated, let's be real. <laughs> hey, King Cola, uh, where, where do you keep your glue? Also, I'm just gonna say it, I ship Polly and Suki. 
Yes. Valid. They are adorable. I like them. They are gay as hell. Also, the jester straight up goes around groping everybody. Like he tickles the chef out of nowhere and he's grabbing the maid's skirt and just looking behind it for something. I'm like, that is an HR visit right there. And then the chef ends up smacking him in the face while they're doing a dance and laugh. So I'm like, he got some vengeance at least. (laughs) The jester is that one guy at every party who gets like super drunk and then just starts like being inappropriate with every guest he can find. You can tell the chef just really, really wants to beat the shit out of the jester. King Cole needs a fucking bouncer. And then they do a rendition of Peas Porridge Hot that kind of mashes up all the other songs they were just singing. That's actually pretty good, I want to say. It is. It flows in really well with each other, and it has a really nice sound to it as well. Although, there were parts of the score that made me think, oh god, is Mark Mothersbaugh in this too? No escape! (laughs) You can never have too much Mark Mothersbaugh, I'm just saying. Also, I kind of fucking love when the guy's announcing the party and how he's like, bring gifts. Everybody just starts booing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we didn't want to have to spend money on this party. I'm not giving that damn oligarch any gifts. He can get a guillotine for all I care. Yay. Why do we have to bring the rich guy gifts? It's like when you go to an Instagram influencer's house and they're suddenly like, oh, you guys bring me any gifts? And you're just all like, oh, we make like a fuck ton less money than you, Susan, so. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And then we get to the main plot of the video where we meet Jack and Jill and Mary and they are getting together for the party. Also, they have to do Mary had a little lamb with Mary because. Because of course they have to. Why can't she be quite contrary? Because that one's boring. Although she also did have a sheet plushie. So I guess that had to tie in somehow. Yeah, the actual sheep kind of comes and goes. It shows up for the song and then it just kind of fucks off afterwards. And then Mary says something along the lines of, I'm afraid he'd get lost on the way to the party, but I knit the king some mittens from his wool. So that's why she's sending him home without any supervision whatsoever. We sing teaches you to neglect animals, basically. Oh, yeah. And we should get into the fact that one of the presents they want to give to the king is a little kitten named tiger which i fucking love tiger you're such a good boy although king cole says that he has a tiger he's like yeah but he won't fit my lap so cool he's neglecting his tiger yeah he's gonna neglect the tiger for the cat and then when he gets bored of the cat he's gonna neglect that for something else so no actually uh king cole is gonna get his own netflix series and everyone's gonna worship the fuck out of him and he's pretty much gonna be the saving grace for early quarantine, but he's actually a terrible person. (laughs) Also, they say they're celebrating a hundred years of peace, but they're like, King Cole's been keeping this kingdom together, and I'm like, he's a hundred years old? What the fuck? There is no war in Ba Sing Se. I don't know what aging serum he's using, but he is the youngest hundred-year-old man I've ever seen. He's sacrificed hundreds of people for his looks. Honest to God, I thought the chef, before I heard him talk, was played by Dom DeLuise. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God! 
God. I can totally see that. And he played a chef on that Lamb Chop spinoff show, uh, Charlie Horse's Pizza Place or something like that. That's right. Oh, my God. I got to say, Gary Basie, despite the fact that I will gladly roast King Cole's up character, he actually does a pretty damn good job playing him. He has a lot of enthusiasm and has a very similar Richard Griffiths vibe. This is going to stay in my head all day, I swear to God. But Gary Basie, if they ever did a biopic of King Henry VIII, he should play him because he looks just like him when he's all up in that king gear. Yes. You know, despite the fact that King Cole is just an absolute bastard, there is something that Gary Basie just really brings to the role that kind of has this warmth to it, I think. It does, yeah. You can kind of see why he's the father. It's definitely very fatherly-like. So then the kids hook up with Little Boy Blue, and they all sing their respective songs. So they sing Jack and Jill, Mary Had a Little Lamb, and then they sing the Little Boy Blue song. And they end it by having Jack do an impersonation of a cow mooing. And here I thought the dubbing in the Don't Have a Cow episode of That So Raven was bad. Yeah, oh my god. In fact, there's a weird dubbing later too where a kid's singing like this high-pitched voice and all of a sudden it's like, duh, in a very low-pitched voice. Oh yeah, and they do it with uh, the Jack jumped over the candlestick part where everybody in the crowd just sounds like little kids for some reason. (laughs) Also, by the way, little boy blue, they should have just told him to wake his goddamn ass up. <laughs> they just sing softly to him instead of just nudge him to wake up. You have a trumpet, just like blow it. That'll wake him up. Oh yeah, and he wants to give his trumpet to the king too. So it's like, oh great, so you're giving up the thing you need for your damn job? Well, he he says that he doesn't need it. The cows just listen to him when he calls them. Also, did we mention the blanket yet? I was like, do not give up your blanket to that motherfucker. If it's special to you, you should keep it. I don't think an adult man in politics really has much use for a child's blanket. (laughs) It's just giving me flashbacks to Elmo and Grouchland for some reason. (laughs) King Cole is basically Huxley if he's good. (laughs) I haven't seen all of Elmo and Grouchland yet. Every time someone brings it up, all I can think about is CGI telly. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking CGI telly. Yeah, don't remind me. Speaking of puppets, so then they go to this puppet duck who sounds exactly like Daffy Duck. And by the way, he's performed by a little name called Bruce Chessy. From THX1138 and The Candidate, and he was also in several other We Sing tapes, and he was an uncredited performer in a little movie called The Muppet Movie. Holy shit. But as soon as I heard the duck's voice, I immediately thought to myself, WB's gonna sue a motherfucker. Yep. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) They barely even hide it, too. We're the Wii of the Wii of the And as such are the exclusive property and trademark of Warner Brothers, Inc. I do gotta say, the puppetry actually isn't too bad in this. There is, like, a couple moments where the movements of his mouth aren't matching with what he's saying, but it's still pretty decent, I think. His background decks are a little stiff, but, eh, they're kind of supposed to be the background, so that didn't really bother me. They're literally just plastic ducks on sticks. (laughs) That actually did kind of get a laugh out of me. It's like, at least it's not creepy socks. Yep. For a second, it kind of just felt like one of those parody shows you'd see on a sitcom, like a parody of a kid's show. <laughs> it kind of does. Oh my god. Keep an eye out for the next uh, KRT episode on the Happy Little Elves. <laughs> 
That's right. We're diverting this entire We Scream series. Huzzah. <laughs> so we should probably talk about the crooked man. Oh, before that, we got to talk about what the uh, duck gives to the kids. So basically... As Randy said, this is a Wizard of Oz ripoff in the sense that the kids go from one place to another and they get a present from each character. Oh, real quick. What I meant when it was a Wizard of Oz ripoff was the whole, like, oh, it was all a dream, but, like, the characters from the real-life universe are all the characters in this. But I guess you could say that's kind of Oz-ish. Also, the ducks are Amish. Yeah, the ducks are Amish for some reason. I don't know why. Something something Amish paradise. We've been quacking most our lives living in an Amish paradox. The duck gives them a feather, but he's like, this thing is light as a, the kid's like, balloon and then he's like no light as a pillow they're like huddling together trying to figure it out and then they give up when the answer (laughs) is so obvious how did they not figure that out like i can understand it if the little kids aren't getting it but mary and little boy blue who are like clearly 10 11 years old aren't getting this at all you're looking at a bird and he's talking about something light Put two and two together, please. His present is that he gives them a feather from his tail, and it's a giant feather, so he gets it literally yanked off. Like, he literally screams in pain. I don't I don't know if ducks do this. I have no idea if ducks do this. But I know cockatiels, when something startles them, they do something that most cockatiel owners call a butt blast, which is when they just rapidly just shed off all of their butt feathers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. So if you startle a cockatiel, I have no idea if this happens to ducks. Any duck experts listening, let me know. But yeah, when they get startled enough, they just, all their tail feathers just come off. So maybe the duck butt blasted his feather off. Mm. (laughs) Sure, why not? So as I said, the crooked man played by... Dow freaking McKinnon, of all people, basically starts dancing around these kids and then he's not the creepiest thing in the movie, but he's still pretty damn creepy. Like, he's telling these kids, oh, you have to go over there! And then he leads them into a fucking song of this old man. He does from Wibbleton to Wobbleton. That doesn't go anywhere. He sounds exactly like the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh my god. From Wibbleton to Wobbleton is 15 miles. From Wobbleton to Wibbleton is 15 miles. From Wibbleton to Wobbleton, from Wobbleton to Wibbleton, from Wibbleton to Wobbleton is... 15 miles. And the way that this scene is lit, because it's just dimly lit this whole time, it just seems so ominous. So the whole time, I keep thinking, he's definitely gonna skin these kids alive. (laughs) Oh, God. I mean, if any of you have seen The Conjuring 2, I actually just watched the clip of the crooked man from that movie. The kid, like, goes up to the door, and there's a dog. This isn't from Weesing, this is from The Conjuring. Uh, surprisingly enough, Weesing isn't this fucked up, but... <laughs> the dog is next to him, but then the dog transforms into, like, the crooked man as a demon, and he's, like, doing the whole crooked man rhyme in, like, this deep, demonic, gravelly voice. And then he runs over... What the Screaming fuck? to, like, his family, and then all of a sudden you see the crooked man's shadow still doing the rhyme... But it's one of the little girls who got possessed by the crooked man. And then she just, like, I think dies or something? Well, Randy, in all fairness, that does sound like something we sing would do. <laughs> so the kids decide that in order to understand the crooked man, they need to get as crooked as him. So little boy Blue does this weird 
dance? That should be a Fortnite dance, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I can't find a perfect way to describe it. He's making his knees wobble and his arms are going in and out like this. It almost looks like one of those like Russian kick dances in a way. Yeah, oh my god. And then also when they're starting to leave, they see that the path is crooked and then the crooked man's like, oh, don't worry, he just makes it straight. (laughs) (laughs) But like the thing is before there's a scene where like, a tree is trying to grow straight and he complains like, oh, this tree is trying to grow straight. And I have to keep making sure it's crooked. And then he's just like, oh, yeah, no, I can make the road straight. Like, I will admit that the, the effect with the crooked tree was actually not that bad. Yeah, that's as good as these effects are going to get. Sadly, <laughs> we sing is definitely a part of the Conjuring Cinematic Universe. Uh, Change my mind. We're gonna see the fucking nun in one of these. Somehow the nun is less terrifying. Also, there's the fact that the matte painting that's supposed to represent the crooked walkway isn't even in the same lighting as the set is. (laughs) It goes from this dimly lit set to, like, this bright walkway, and it's just so jarring. I feel like he did something really awful with the road being crooked before. Like, he probably led a bunch of people in there and killed them. (laughs) Oh, and when they're singing this old man, he has this really weird verse when they get to seven, where he gets down on one knee and starts singing all holy while he looks to the sky about this old man going to heaven. This old man, he made seven, he played knick-knack up in heaven, with a knick-knack paddywhack it on the moon, this old man. He killed him. He Did he just, like, fucking die? <laughs> I was expecting him to collapse right then and there without finishing the song. Yeah. And he just descends to heaven and the kids just look so confused. And the kids just be like, okay, well, we got a party to go to, so <laughs> this is not our problem. Also, at one point in the Knickknack song, he starts singing about how he played Knickknack on my date. And I was like, wait, date like the fruit or date as in like he was doing it on your partner or something because like was he on a date with a woman and he just started playing knickknack on her whatever the fuck that means i don't want to know what that means well randy he also could be bisexual because he says during his introduction he got tired of looking at everything straight (laughs) that's true there's no way the crooked man is a heterosexual it's like in who framed roger rabbit i caught her playing patty cake with him <laughs> hey comfort son you're not the first man his wife played patty cake on him uh we should probably go into the actual scariest thing in this whole tape this tape was doing so good and then we had to meet humpty dumpty good god that's right the crooked man a nursery rhyme that has inspired horror movies, creepypastas, and SCPs is nowhere near as scary as the talking egg. He looks like a mixture of the Kinder Egg and the little baby ice cream man. Ugh. Kinder! Doobie! You know what? The Kinder Egg is still scarier. <laughs> I genuinely don't know how they pulled the Kinder Egg off. It looks like actual flesh. Good God, that had to be an animatronic or something, because what the fuck? So the kids come across Humpty Dumpty's rotting corpse, because even in the We Sing universe, law enforcement is just so corrupt, because all the king's horses and all the king's men didn't bother to put him back together again this time. At least in the nursery rhyme, they, like, attempted. Yeah! (laughs) 
Just... They, they did the best they could, but here they're just like, oh, whatever, he's dead already. So they sing the Humpty Dumpty song while they try to pad out putting Humpty Dumpty back together, which, by the way, is represented by two ovalish pieces of styrofoam. So they kind of have to hide the fact that it doesn't have a face on it or any actual limbs. So they're just awkwardly shuffling stuff off camera. <laughs> They didn't have the effects to show just how terrifying his corpse would look like, basically. (laughs) The edgy part of me just really wanted it to cut to after they were done putting him together. Like, all his limbs and his facial features are in the wrong place, and he looks like this freakish abomination. (laughs) Thanks for helping me, children. (laughs) Also, he constantly speaks in these fucking metaphors, basically. You know that Jenny Nicholson tweet? Where, like, when you're arguing with a guy on the internet and then suddenly they start using, like, big words to try and sound smarter than you. That's what Humpty is here. Yeah, absolutely. He'd be a total (laughs) incel. There was just something about the way he delivered this role that, for some reason, reminded me of Kevin Pollock in the extraterrestrial alien encounter of all things. (laughs) You know who he reminded me of? Who? A more douchey and intolerable version of the Caterpillar from Adventures in Wonderland. Oh, totally. Oh my god. Oh god, apologies to the Caterpillar, but it's true. Which, by the way, count your blessings that they've never done We Sing in Wonderland. Oh Oh, god. No, 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 no. We already have enough terrifying Wonderland adaptations. Also, using tons of similes and metaphors belongs to Hatter and Hare, you bastard. (laughs) So what he does after the kids force him to use normal people words is he, like, has everyone hold thumbs. And he speaks in this terrifying echo while he's teleporting them. I didn't know what he said. I I just assumed that, you know, he said something horrible and demonic. He said what Tom says whenever he speaks in a hollow voice after Jerry hits him on the head. So then the kids want Humpty Dumpty to return the favor by somehow teleporting them to the party. This whole thing has just been nothing but a wizard did it. Yeah, because they do this weird thing where he can't concentrate because he keeps talking in all these similes, which, dude, shut the hell up. Come on, just get us to the party, you piece of shit. And then when he does get them to the party, he says the word please, but he draws it out in this really uncomfortable way that's drowned in reverb. Good God. (laughs) You know what? If this is what set off the satanic panic of the 80s, then that would be justified. But instead it was fucking Ozzy Osbourne for some reason. So they finally go to the party. And we get more vignettes. Yay! And I gotta say, the vignettes are not that bad at all. We get some pretty cute ones, I think, like Jack jumping over the candlestick, Little Miss Muffet. That kid looked like he was having a fucking blast, the Jack jump over the candlestick. (laughs) Just how, like, accomplished he looked after he jumped over it. The three men in a tub. Do you ever just get the urge to crash a party with your friends and you guys are just in a giant bathtub? At least they weren't naked, I'll give them that. There's nothing straight about that nursery rhyme. And they also do Little Jack Horner where he sticks his thumb into the plum and takes it out of the pie. Then this little shit takes the plum off of his finger and then puts it back in the pie. (laughs) Well, now the pie's ruined. Thanks a lot, you little asshole. 
They also do one called Jack Spratt, which has him and his wife. I couldn't decipher the lyrics or the music for the life of me because the laughter just drowned it out completely. Yeah. Oh my God. I couldn't understand it at all. It's like... It was like a Beatles concert in the 60s. You can't hear what's going on because everyone's screaming. And then we get the ones we mentioned, like uh, Little Tommy Tucker, where the kid sings in like a baritone. And it's clearly a 50-year-old man singing. And the Little Miss Muffet. Oh, jeez, that that kid had no clue what was happening. (laughs) The adults are giving this their all. The kids just don't have the best sense of direction in this. Well, it's mainly just the little, little kids. Because the kid who plays Jack, he's having a hard time, like, getting the choreography down and stuff like that. And then you have Little Bo Peep that has, like, no sense of direction. It feels like one of those, like, elementary or preschool plays where it's like, you have to show up because, like, come on, this is your niece, you know? But, like, it's not so much a play, so much it's a bunch of adults on stage directing the kids where to go. Like training dogs <laughs> while someone plays a piano listlessly in the background. Also, one thing I forgot to mention earlier we find out this is basically London, so I'm just like, if this is medieval London, there's gotta be a plague. A hundred years of peace in medieval London? I'm not buying it. They were out colonizing something. Which, speaking of, if this is supposed to be London, why does nobody have an accent? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess in medieval London, the accents were a little bit different. Like, the English accent you hear now is a pretty new English accent, and I guess our American accents are, like, remnants of the old English accent, so who knows? Maybe they are accurate there. And then we get the scene where the king and queen come in and go through all their presents, and good lord, I fucking hate the king. He is just... I know the point of this video is take a lot of joy in the little things, but this dude literally turns down a ruby because he doesn't know what to do with it. He literally picks it up and calls it a paperweight. The fucked up part is that when they give him the crooked sixpence, he's like, oh my god, even though I have a ton of other sixpences in some vault or something, this one's one of a kind. So is the fucking million dollar ruby, you asshole. You know, despite the fact that you can bend any given sixpence and it'll be crooked. And then when Jack gives him the blanket, the king has the gall to say, Oh, this is the greatest honor anybody could have given me. Not the ruby, you son of a bitch. You better give that back to whoever had that because what the fuck? They're probably homeless because of you now, you bastard. There's this family guy joke actually um, about Buddhists. Where, like, one guy to the Buddhist guy is like, Here, I know you've been having a lot of trouble getting around, so I got you a new Lexus. And then the other guy's like, And I got you a tie clip. And the Buddhist guy's like, Thank you. These are both equal to me. That's the vibe I'm getting from King Cole. (laughs) You could buy him, like, a brand new Mustang, and he'd be like, Oh, you got me a Ford. Those are so horrible to maintain. This is a really, this is a kind of inconvenient. And then someone gives him a fucking candle, and he's like, Oh my god! Oh my god, this is amazing! I love it! Thank you! I get what this special was trying to do, but the execution wasn't the best. They just made him look like a dick. I did find the scene where the kid gives him the blanket kind of... Eh, that was handled okay. It was sweet, but then you, you remember that the king got all this good shit, and he's just losing it over a blanket. <laughs> Oh, God, he's he, he is the worst person to buy gifts for. He's just going to complain about all the expensive stuff. 
And then someone gives him a TGI Fridays gift card, and he's, like, freaking out. G-O-Teen. And then they give him the cat, which he's gonna forget about that cat in a couple months. And also, he's handing all his gifts to his queen, and so basically, he's not even already taking care of any of it, so fuck him. I'm just saying, if you have a tiger, you probably shouldn't get a kitten. Oh, yeah, just... Don't put them in the same room together. And then it ends on the note where it straight up says the storyteller was the dad all along. Cue the Saw theme, whatever. Yeah, nobody saw that coming. Absolutely nobody. (laughs) God damn it, guy who looks like Orson Welles, who's not actually Orson Welles. You could have been an Orson Welles impersonator. Made bank doing that. All you have to do is say Rosebud. Uh, like I said, again, we're still very early in the saga. There's a chance it could go back downhill from here. There's a chance it could go uphill from here. I will say, though, this one is very, very watchable. I mean, I know a lot of people have fond memories of it, but there's a chance it might have done better, I suppose. It had potential. It's not the best of the Wee Sing videos, but I actually did have a lot of fun watching this. This actually did not feel like a Wee Sing video at all. It actually felt like a separate entity of just basic nursery rhyme kind of stuff, but it was still a lot of fun to watch, so it's a keep the tapes for me, I think. I'm gonna go with the kind of tepid keep the tapes, because I don't think I'll ever watch it again outside of this podcast, but for what it was, it was fine. I'm going to turn my back, and the tape has five seconds to run as fast as it can if it wants to live. (laughs) (laughs) Just go! Very reluctant keep the tapes. (laughs) Only things that get a burn from me are the creepy-ass Humpty Dumpty and the king being a dick. (laughs) If there's anything this tape taught me, it's to not buy gifts for rich people who say they appreciate the smaller things in life. This tape will radicalize you and make you hate the royals. If you watched this tape growing up and you're now heavily sympathizing with Harry and Meghan, you grew up in the right way. Classic fucking colonizers. All right. You can find me over on the usual Mission Breakout on Twitter, Mission Breakout on Discord. You can find me on A Walking Pun on Instagram. And you can find me also on my Muppet side blog, Muppet Vision 3D. And then you can also find me basically finding a guillotine. Hello, Dale's Guillotine Emporium? Yeah, it's me again. I know that you're getting tons of orders for Jeff Bezos, but could you, you could you put me priority, please? I need the biggest guillotine you have. No, that's too big. Yay! Uh, you can find me at Cosmic Rewind on Twitter. Replace the E with a three. Uh, you can also find me not just on this podcast, but also on a few select episodes of Escape from Vault Disney. And the Emperor's New Podcast. And you can also find me on No Context Harley. And you can find me in the middle of the woods having an emotional get out of here before I kill you moment with tape. (laughs) (laughs) All right. As for me, you can find me on the usual spots. Tyler FG on Twitter. Tyler FG 96 on Instagram. As for the podcast, you can find us on Twitter at channel underscore KRT. Instagram at Channel KRT Podcast, all one word. Also, in our Twitter bio, we have a link tree that contains links to our Discord server and our Facebook group. And if you want to help support us, you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know whether you think King Cole deserves the guillotine or not. 
And if you want to help support us even further, you can support us on Patreon, where we have mini-sodes, outtakes, and even episodes of this very podcast, as well as the We Scream series, one day early. And speaking of which, thank you to our pal Gomer, who pledged to us at the $10 level. And as for me, you can find me playing Knickknack in Hell. Channel KRT, We Scream to Static. Ah! Ah!